Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the CONCACAF Champions League Review Show. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this special edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, the CONCACAF Champions League Round of 16 first leg review show as we'll talk about those MLS clubs and clubs in Canada uh, to advance through qualification to the opening round, which is the round of 16 and the first leg. As we all know, we have uh, clubs from Major League Soccer like New England Revolution, New York City FC, Colorado Rapids, Seattle Sounders, Club de Foot Montreal, as well as from the <coughs> Excuse me. Canadian Premier League in Hamilton Forge. And it is a very, very sad moment uh, from what I can see right now, especially with certain teams that were not able to play their games in the opening round. And this is the press release that came over from... CONCACAF itself from the Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League uh, Department. CONCACAF statement regarding A.S. Cavalier's participation in the 2022 CONCACAF Champions League. A.S. Cavalier has notified CONCACAF club has been unable to obtain the necessary visas required to travel to the United States for their up-and-coming Scotiabank CONCACAF Champions League matches uh, against New England Revolution, SCCL, and that they have made the decision to formally withdraw from the competition. As a result of Cavalier's withdrawal from the SCCL, New England Revolution will progress to the quarterfinals where they will face the winner of the Pumas UNAM and Deportivo Saprissa round of 16 matchup. The matter of A.S. Cavalier's withdrawal from the competition will be re, uh, referred to the CONCACAF Disciplinary Committee. Now, if I can just say this, it's a shame that the Haitian side could not acquire their visas for their players, and it's really a shame when you have something like this happening and uh, look uh, I mean all you can say is is that for Cavalier maybe they should have just found a way to not even bother performing in the Champions League but obviously they tried to make a go of it I give them credit for it They tried their best, but unfortunately, it just wasn't good enough. And it's a situation where all you can really say and do is that for the New England Revolution, congratulations, you move on to the quarterfinals, but it's not where you want to be. And at the moment, Pumas and Deportivo Saprissa in their tie in the first leg, 2-2 at the moment on aggregate. Two goal, two away goals 
for, for Pumas. So at the moment, they are in the lead due to away goals. Now, we don't know if away goals have been removed by the CONCACAF department. We all know UEFA is no longer doing it for their Champions League or their Europa Leagues. CONMEBOL is also not doing it anymore uh, as well. So we don't know if CONCACAF will still have away goals. But for now, we'll just say they do. And we'll keep track of that. So we'll find out what will happen over there in just a few minutes. Uh, Or we'll just find out somewhere down the road if CONCACAF has decided to scrap away goals. But the truth is I don't mind away goals. I like away goals. I like that rule. I think it's a solid rule, and I think it should be continuing. But that's just, of course, my opinion. Now, we'll get to the Canadian uh, teams in a moment later on the show. But as we all know, Montreal had a goal scored. And then because of VAR, they took it away because there was a foul that was committed by Montreal before the goal was scored and then got taken away. And the criteria is usually, when it comes to these goals being scored or or to see if goals are legitimate or not, if there's a foul or not in, in the run of play, or even against the run of play. That never happens. That that type of foul is considered to be through VAR. It's a situation where maybe it's a little tricky. Maybe it's a part of it, but we're not sure of. Maybe they just changed the rules and they haven't informed anyone about it through FIFA. But one thing is for sure. I know Montreal fans and some Canadian journos are not happy about it. And then, of course, we all know what the situation was. So there you have it. The situation that we have with some of these games. And, you know, when when, when you talk about these games... And, and you talk about how they are broadcasted. I think, to be honest, we're seeing some poor broadcasting moments by Fox Sports. Now, majority of the games were shown on Fox Sports 2 and the Hamilton Forge game on Fox Soccer Plus. And when we talk about that with Forge FC having their match here in the States, and I understand it's we shouldn't have to overly concern ourselves with them, but You know, Fox, 
pays to show the Canadian Premier League on their channels. And all you can really say is that with Forge, you know, being a part of the CONCACAF League and fighting all the time, fighting all the time to get to these international tournaments, don't they deserve some form of respect? Don't they deserve some form of anything you know it's a situation once again where CONCACAF has a wonderful relationship with CBS Sports and it's not just through the World Cup qualifiers that they have been a part of for this current cycle. Now they're showing it for the new Nations League, which will begin in its second season this upcoming April. I think when it's all said and done, And to be fair, I know how Fox, oh, excuse me, I know how Fox probably just wants to do the European champions, the championships, the Copa Libertadores, or even the Copa America. They want to do the big Euro and the big South American tournaments. In fact, I think they want to uh, get a European uh, club league set up once again, but they're never going to get it because ESPN has done a fantastic job with the Bundesliga in Germany, with La Liga in Spain. CBS Sports, through the streaming, has done an excellent job with Serie A of Italy. And we all know NBC has done an amazing job with the Premier League from England. The FA Cup on the ESPN Plus services. The English Championship League on the ESPN Plus services. What has Fox really done? It's not what I'm worried about when it comes to the people who are trying to do their jobs to broadcast Major League Soccer or CONCACAF Champions League. But the truth of the matter is this. I think, as I've always said, John Strong, Stu Holden, J.P. Della Camera. They do an excellent job in the broadcast booth. Rob Stone, 
Alexi Lawless, even Maurice Adu at times, and many others have done their best doing the studio work for Fox. I think Fox has outlived its usefulness when it comes to soccer. I know that they've got the World Cup in Qatar this winter, the home World Cup for the United States in Mexico and Canada in four years. But do we really trust them? Do we really trust them to broadcast the greatest party that world soccer has ever seen? I mean, to be honest with you, I I think our patience is, is wearing thin when it comes to Fox. They want to do baseball, that's fine. They want to do they want to do the NFL, that's fine. I don't have a problem with that. Because that's all that they're going to be doing. Sure, they have college basketball for Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports 2. They got their NASCAR love. But what else are they good for? Like I said, it's not the soccer people I have a problem with. It's the people who are producing the soccer. That is their fault. Their problems. They are the ones that I think are not doing their job. And would it be great for them, for CONCACAF, to move every competition to CBS Sports? I think so. Sorry about that. I really believe it's great if CBS took over everything that involves CONCACAF and all their tournaments for the national team and for clubs. And that's all I'm saying, folks. That's all I'm saying. It's time to tell Fox you're done. It's time to tell Fox it's over. If you're not going to take CONCACAF events seriously, then what's the point? Is the goddamn point. I don't know. I really don't know. But I'll tell you this much. We really need really, really need to have CONCACAF events moving on and moving away from Fox Sports. Production-wise, I think it's just a big mess. 
they're not going to take care of the CONCACAF Champions League in a proper way, well, maybe it's time to move everything out and advance everything to CBS Sports. All right, folks. Tonight, my guest, my good friend Patrick Quinn, Colorado Rapids reporter, on a very tough result down in Guatemala against Comunicaciones. It was a late-minute bomb to put the Rapids down by a goal to nil. Quinny, good evening, and how are you? Uh, pretty good. How you been doing? I've been doing pretty good. Everything's all right. So let me ask you this. Let's not talk about the result for a moment. Let's just talk about the Rapids play. We all know very first game of the season, the MLS season is going to start next weekend. They have a home game next, uh, I would think, Wednesday or Thursday against Comunicaciones. Outside of the goal that was allowed, did you feel that the Rapids played very well and they tried their best to go out and get a result? Uh, it, it felt to me, honestly, I think they were playing for a draw. I mean, they were shaking off a lot of rust. The rust was clearly on display, but it, it felt like to me they were, for large portions of the game, playing for a draw. And that's a little bit disappointing, but I think it's also, you know, kind of testament to our limited options in attack right now. Yeah, that's usually a tough thing to do when you've got a very, very uh, limited amount of time to try and get things ready to go. And it's just one of those moments where, you know, you've got to give Comunicaciones a lot of credit. That was, that was a rocket that there's no way anyone was going to get to, not even the keeper. I mean, Carlos Spino, 89th, 90th minute. I know it got deflected, but still, though, he tagged that sucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. He, ta- he tagged that sucker, and he just got it flying. Yeah, it definitely took a, a fortunate deflection. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they did hit the post in the first half, too. I mean, the reality is they just created more dangerous chances than we did. I don't think we even had a shot on target the whole game. So, I mean, you're kind of asking for it at that point. Yeah, you really are. But other than the, other than that, you know, you've been pretty happy with how Robin Frazier has managed the Rapids. And, you know, were you disappointed that you thought they were going to go for the draw? Or did you feel that, you know, he's trying to get his guys prepared for that home game next week? I mean, I, I think – well, time will tell. I don't know what to expect out of the next game since we play LAFC at LAFC, you know, only three days after that game. So I don't know what kind of lineup he's going to be putting out there. But, you know, Robin Fraser does a pretty good job, and he's definitely not the primary reason we're not getting results. I think it's the lack of certain options in the roster. I mean, we don't have a real striker, which is a big problem that I, it would be nice if they addressed that. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he's actually going to play all of our starters for the follow-up game next week or if he's going to field a half-strength squad and we're just going to, you know, chuck the result and focus on the opener against LAFC. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. And uh, obviously that's always going to be a big matchup no matter what, especially 
with Mark Anthony K on the Rapids. How do you think he looked in the uh, in that matchup in the midfield? Uh, I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, it was interesting seeing him get pushed out wide for portions of the game, which is a little unusual to me. But I also I thought he looked pretty good. He had a couple decent passes and. I thought uh, kind of a couple of our new guys looked pretty good. Uh, Brian Acosta and uh, also Max from Brazil. I thought they both looked pretty good in the very limited minutes we got to see of them. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good to hear about that as well. When you watch these games, and obviously you, this is like probably what the second or the third time that the Rapids have been involved in the Concacaf Champions League. I remember uh, the one uh, time back, I think 2018, that you were taking on Toronto. Uh, or of course, MLS versus MLS in the round of 16. Um, what's that like for you when you're watching your guys playing against a team that, you know, the seats are not filled in Guatemala, but there's a, at least a healthy crowd to watch that game uh, from, you know, the homestands when you're watching on TV? I mean, I've always liked the idea of the Champions League, and it would honestly be nice if we played in it more. But, uh, yeah, I I like watching it, and I wish kind of the clubs would take it a little more seriously. You know, kind of, it, to me, it seems like a lot of clubs treat it a bit like the Open Cup, where, you know, it's so early in the season, they're kind of more concerned about focusing on the regular MLS season and getting guys up to fitness. But, you know, they kind of roll the dice if they – you know, make it past the first couple rounds. And, you know, if they get to the semi-finals and they start to take it a little more seriously. Yeah, that's true. And that's the unfortunate. See, that's the one unfortunate thing about the CONCACAF Champions League is because, you know, Liga MX starts, I would say, a good three weeks, three to four weeks before MLS ever gets involved because their league begins three, four weeks, you know, sometime in January before, you know, they get involved in the CONCACAF Champions League, and then all of a sudden, here comes the MLS teams, and then they get involved right off the bat during preseason. So, I mean, that's always been the knock of the CONCACAF Champions League. Not reason why not everyone's taking it seriously, I guess, sometimes. But there are clubs that do want to take it seriously. They do want to make a run, and, and you know, finally, MLS can get that big uh, Champions League trophy and try out for the uh, FIFA Club World Cup if we ever get there. But um, unless CONCACAF really changes the start dates for the beginning of the tournament, especially at the round of 16, it's, it's always going to be the same thing. So we'll have to wait and see what happens when the newer edition starts to co- roll along in another year or so. So we'll have to wait for that. But Yeah, you know, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Fingers crossed. Other than that, Quinny, you know, what what excite, exciting things are you expecting from this season from the Rapids? Not just in this Champions League, but overall. I mean, I, th- I think we've got a good core, both uh, defensively and in the midfield. And I think we can, you know, build off of what we did last year. I mean, it was unexpected finishing in first place, but, you know, we were competitive most of the year and we were always in the hunt, but it was nice on the last day of the regular season getting into that first place spot, but I think we can build on that. And I think we're going to need to, you know, based on how everybody else's off season went 
uh, I mean, there's a lot of teams you're not going to be able to keep down or expect to be as bad as they were last year. I mean, LAFC is going to be, you know, more in the mix, I'm sure. The Galaxy probably are as well. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I I think we've got a good core. I think we've got a great coach. So, I think that helps a lot. I guess just the big question is, are we going to get a striker? We desperately need one, and we've needed one for a while. And I think if we want to get this team to the next level, I think that's something that needs to happen. Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I mean, I don't know if you'll ever get a world-class striker to come over, but if you can develop one in the Rapids Academy, you never know. They could become something big before you ship them off. Obviously, Sam Vines is no longer with uh, the Rapids. But, you know, you got yourself a, from, you know, the starting 11 that you have here. I mean, you've got Keegan Rosenberry, solid right fullback, Lawless Abubakar coming from the Columbus crew. You got Danny Wilson. You got Trustee, also a uh, former Philadelphia Union player. And then you got Lucas Estevez as your left fullback. I mean, I, I mean to me, it looks like the back line has looked very solid so far in their makeup. Now, like I said, there's nothing you can do about the, about the big bomb that got you uh, late in the match. But still, though, uh, to me, it looks like your back line is solid enough. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, there may be some questions when, you know, Trusty leaves in the summer to go to Arsenal. But I, I think – I think the back line's in pretty good shape. Uh, Estevez is probably the one I'm most excited to see out of all of them because, I mean, it, you noticed probably in the game yesterday he was joining the attack very frequently, kind of bombing down the left, doing overlapping runs and, you know, creating some pretty dangerous chances. And I think we're going to see a lot of that this year. And I think he's going to play a key role in coming forward and into the attack. So I'm particularly excited to see how he does this year. Yeah, I agree with you there, and we'll see what happens. But, you know, like you said, it's not just a striker that you need. Maybe more fortified players in the midfield, uh, especially with Mark Anthony Kay now on the team. Brian Acosta, he got over from FC Dallas. Uh, I mean, like like you said, you probably need a, a better striker than, you know, got some good players in the midfield. But, you know, time will tell. We'll see what happens in the transfer window. That's probably still open right now for the winner. Yeah, we'll see if uh, we'll see if Porig Smith and company can identify somebody, you know, whether it's from Mexico or South America. But yeah, it, it's a it's a really big need, and you know, we traded some guys away, like you know, we, Acosta got sold off, and uh, among others. But you know, we stockpiled a bunch of gam, and we're just kind of waiting to see, you know, where's that money going to get used. So hopefully, it's towards a striker. Yeah. I understand that. That's always going to be tricky. Well, next uh, next game, second leg of the round of 16, will be back at Dick's Sporting Goods Park over in Commerce City. You know, what are you expecting in the second leg, and, you know, what's the hope here? I mean, obviously you hope for an advancement to the quarterfinals, but, you know, what, what are you hoping for? What would you like to see the Rapids do a little bit better than what they've showed so far this past Thursday? Um be more clinical in the box, I think. need to be much more clinical in the box. I mean, we need to convert these chances. I mean, we've got service into the box, but we're not having anybody, you know, being able to 
transfer that into, you know, genuinely dangerous opportunities on goal. So, I mean, that's going to be critical. And uh, the other critical thing is to, you know, not press too far forward and open yourself up to counterattack because, you know, going into this game, communicaciones, I mean, they're going to park the bus. And we know they're going to park the bus when they come up here. So that's something we're going to be prepared for. Altitude's probably not going to play that big a factor since Guatemala City's at altitude as well. But the temperature might. I checked the forecast yesterday. They're saying it's going to be uh, probably 14 degrees that day. So it may be another cold one. So we'll see what happens uh, once Wednesday rolls around. All right, Queen Wilson, thanks a lot for uh, coming in, and I'll talk to you next week, okay? Cheers. Talk to you next Cheers. week. All right, see you next week. Bye-bye. Patrick Quinn, Bye. my Colorado Rapids reporter, talking about the Rapids' 1-0 loss to Comunicaciones of Guatemala as the uh, Guatemalan club found a way to bomb one past Yarborough and Unfortunately for him and the Rapids, they just could not keep the ball out within the final minutes of regulation time over in Guatemala. Now, uh, unfortunately, he's the only guest for tonight, but we're going to keep on going here on the 40 Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. You know, when we talk about VAR, and we talk about the questions about VAR and what it's really for and, and how do, do we tr properly use it. What was the criteria that was supposed to be about? Offside, um, goals, red cards, and other sort of shenanigans, and I forget which one it was, but, you know, we're talking about... Montreal getting a goal and then having that goal wiped out through the VAR. Now, from one soccer in Canada, Gareth Wheeler, during a roundtable event, and of course here in the States we don't get one soccer uh, from Canada, but if you go to uh, their YouTube page, They'll have their roundtable discussion groups ready to go to talk about what's going to happen in Canadian soccer. And you know what? You, you really have to pay attention to what goes on in Canada now and, and the type of broadcasts that they have up there when it comes to talking about soccer. Yes, it's a Canadian point of view. And yes, they talk about uh, the Canadian soccer uh, scene in their country when it comes to the three MLS teams in Vancouver, Montreal, and Toronto, and then, of course, Canadian Premier League, and then, of course, the Canadian national team. So, you know, they are a full-blown Canadian soccer channel. They handle the Canadian Premier League season. They handle the Canadian men's and women's national team for games. And they also handle the Canadian Championship, which is like the Open Cup. And it's just, I, I just think they put on a very good show. Look, ESPN does a fine job. CBS does a fine job. NBC does a fine job. 
uh, Fox, like I said, I, the soccer people at Fox are great. It's just the production people that I just don't trust anymore. But let me just say this, if I can, and that is Gareth Wheeler of One Soccer has said that he is upset that VAR was used in the game against Montreal at Santos Laguna to take away a legitimate goal, even though, yes, that's a foul, and it probably should have been whistled, but it wasn't whistled during the run of play. That VAR was used for that foul to remove the goal, and that is not one of the criterias of VAR. And if that's the case, if that's the case, and if CONCACAF should get, or if they did get a protest from Montreal, then in my opinion, if they're going to listen to the protest and go off on what happened with that moment, then maybe it's up to CONCACAF to say, we're going to reverse the VAR decision and say the goal will stand and then because we all know Santos Laguna they converted their chance late in the second half maybe instead of being 1-0 Santos Laguna maybe it's 1-1 and Montreal has the away goal I really think that it's a tough call. I don't think it would ever happen. But if there is a time where if Montreal is going to protest a play that was legitimately done and VAR removed it illegally, then I think Montreal has every right to protest. So, but if things have changed and we're not aware of it, then we should be informed if there has been any form of change. Once again, you know, we want to make sure that, we, that everything is done right. We want to make sure that everything, everything, is done the correct way and that both Montreal and Santos Laguna fairly get their proper results. Because if it's 1-1, then Montreal is up by an away goal. If it's still one one, if it's still one nil uh, for Santos Laguna, then it's still one nil Santos Laguna, and Montreal's got some time to go out and try and pull one back or two. We all know that will be at the Stade Olympique. That Stade Saputo will not be used during the winter months 
because of the snow, the possibility of snow. But if you watch the match between Montreal and Santos Laguna down in Mexico, if you want to be fair, if you want to be fair when you watch that match, Santos Laguna did not look like themselves. Maybe they're off to a bad start in Liga MX. But truthfully, they did not look great. They did a decent job defensively, but, you know, as a whole, Santos Laguna got lucky that they did not lose that match to Montreal. They got lucky. We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen now in uh, Canada over in uh, Quebec province in Montreal at the Olympic Stadium. But other than that, Club de Foot Montreal has to go out there and they're going to have to really go and put the foot on the gas and find a way to bury it as many goals as possible against Santos Laguna. You can only hope for a strong home crowd in Montreal when it comes to these games. That's the hope. That is the hope, and you see what's going to happen. But other than that, it's a situation where Montreal, it's going to be very, very tough. And they're going to have to do a lot of good things. Now, going to the other Canadian team, Hamilton Forge of Hamilton, Ontario, that play their home games at the Tim Hortons Stadium in Hamilton, Ontario. Sharing the stadium with the Canadian Football League team in Hamilton. And let me just say this. I give them credit for fighting hard. This isn't just, you know, being in a CONCACAF League game where they're so used to playing because it's in the middle of their season. And they're doing some damage in the Canadian Premier League, even though they didn't win their third consecutive Canadian Premier League title last year. That club deserves a lot of respect. That club deserves a ton of respect for what they have done, how they have played, how strong they look, and the discipline that they're carrying out from their manager all the way out into the pitch. Granted, it's Cruz Azul, and Cruz Azul coming out of Liga MX, one of the better clubs in Mexico. I thought they had a decent match. They played strong defensively. But you can see that Hamilton Forge was a little bit off their game. And mostly because of rust and that their season begins April 10th. 
So for Hamilton Forge, <coughs> excuse me. So for Hamilton Forge to play a pretty good game. And their attack looked strong up until you get closer to the uh, Cruz Azul area. And then it died. You know, you've got to give them credit for fighting hard and trying to make a game out of it. We don't know what's going to happen down in Mexico. Maybe they'll surprise. Maybe they will come out of nowhere and find a way to go out and just blitz them, surprise them. But definitely, they're going to have to score at least a goal to force the away goal rule and hold on for dear life. That's what they're going to have to do. Because there's nothing else left for them to do. Because if they move on to the quarterfinals, it's going to get tougher and tougher for them when they face their next opponent. Because once again, they don't start their regular season in the Canadian Premier League until April 10th. And it's just been, you know... If anyone's going to have the the deck stacked against them in this Champions League, it's definitely going to be Forge FC. But you know what? Let me just say this right now. To have two Canadian teams in this tournament has been incredible. (coughs) The year of Canadian soccer has really improved. Everything that has happened has been sensational. It's been fantastic. And you know what? I just have to say that the Canadian Soccer Association has to be proud. They must be very, very proud to see not only the success of the Canadian men's national team, the Canadian players who have been improving their game in Europe, through MLS, through the Canadian Premier League, playing for top clubs in Europe like Alfonso Davies, like Jonathan David. And, of course, those players are doing well with Toronto FC, Vancouver Whitecaps in Montreal. And some of the Canadians that are performing in American cities in MLS. And to me, Hamilton Forge is also a story as well. You can call them the engine, the little engine that could. And they've been doing it. They've been doing it brilliantly, and they deserve all the plaudits possible. It's just been fantastic. 
Absolutely fantastic. Good for them. Good for them. You just have to hope for more success when it comes to Canadian soccer, not just domestically, but internationally as well. If Forge can get back to the swing of things, that would be great. We'll see what happens. So we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen there. And let's see here. I think we have a guest on who has a question to ask. 973-744. Go ahead. Hey, Dan. Uh, this is Anthony Paradiso. How you doing? It's great to doing hear you right, on the Anthony. show. Doing all right, Anthony. How are you? Thank you. Good. Thank you. Good. Yeah, I've just uh, enjoyed listening to you talking about the CONCACAF Champions League games. Uh, I did watch the Montreal game against Santos Laguna. Um, thought it was pretty entertaining game, uh, kind of a cruel loss for Montreal there on that that goal uh, at the end there. Um, so, you know, yep. you were talking, yeah, you were talking about just the, the rise of Canadian soccer, I think, mostly, and you're talking about, you know, how they've made significant strides, not only with the national team, but also with their club team. So I'm just wondering, like, you know, do you see, where do you see that going? Do you see maybe an expansion of Canadian clubs in MLS, or how do you see that uh, turning out? No, no, no. I don't see any other Canadian clubs coming to MLS. I think if you're going to see any form of expansion, it's going to be domestically in the Canadian Premier League because right now the Canadian Premier League wants to grow. They've got a good sizable amount of teams right now, but they, I know they want to get bigger and better. They want to grow, obviously, the player pool uh, of what's going on. I mean, you'll still have Toronto, Montreal, Vancouver, you know, trying to put their players in, like, uh, MLS Next Pro and that sort of stuff. But you know what? The truth of the matter is this. I think the Canadian Soccer Association, while they're happy they have all three MLS teams representing Canada – in Vancouver and Montreal and Toronto, they're hoping that they get out of MLS so that they can join the, the Canadian Premier League and then really develop and grow the sport in the country as a whole. So I don't really see any any extra cities lead, you know, going to be playing in Canada, but they're going to join MLS. I, I just think uh, Canadian soccer, the, the CSA, they just want to... Uh, they truly want to have those, the three big cities in MLS. They want them home permanently, you know, with the, with the Canadian Premier League. And I think that's their number one goal. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just interesting, you know, how much the sport has, uh, has grown uh, over there uh, recently. And, uh, you know, it's really the last uh, few years, right? Yep, and it's finally coming together for them, too. So um, you just have to hope, and, 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 you know, like I've said, 
you know, there was a time where I didn't want any Canadian teams in MLS. I thought we didn't need any Canadian teams in MLS a long, long time ago. But then again, I was proven wrong. And it's nice to have the Canadian teams coming in, uh, you know, being in MLS and everything. But now I understand where Canadian soccer, you know, politically wise, political wise, you know, now they want to have all of Canadian professional clubs being under one umbrella instead of two separate umbrellas. And I can understand that. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see if the, like there's any teams. Uh, I think you mentioned one tonight. Is, is, that, is that right? Hamilton? Is it? Was that yep, off there? Hamilton. Okay. Yep, Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton. I mean, uh, any others? Had a good chance there. Um, I mean, you know, York United's a pretty good team, but I mean, I, I mean, I don't know all the clubs to be honest with you. I can, I only know if like maybe a couple here and there, but Hamilton Forge, watching them on Fox Sports Two during those Concacaf League games where, you know, they're fighting to get into the Champions League, and then finally the, the Concacaf League of 2021 finally got them over the hump, and they uh, were finally uh, qualified for the Champions League for this year. So uh, I, I really respect what Hamilton Forge has done. I've really respected what they're able to do. And it's just been a lot of fun. Absolutely. The minnows in the, in the competition, no offense, but it's, uh, yep. They're really, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting yep. to sort of root for them on the side a bit. Um, you know, I think uh, the other big stories going on, if uh, we want to shift gears, uh, obviously is a, uh, CONCACAF World Cup qualifying and where the U.S. Oh, yeah. men's national team stands. And uh, I, Go ahead. Yeah, you know, that's... See, this is the thing. You know, they're, they're going to have to get a, some form of result in Mexico. They have to. They have to because they cannot assume that you know, you're going to beat Mexico at the Azteca. As bad as Mexico has been, the Azteca is still a place where the U.S. has... They've only won once in their lifetime, and that was during a friendly. And even though the U.S. Yep, yep. And even though the U.S. is on a three-match unbeaten streak at the Azteca, the the win, which was a friendly, and the next two were, were draws in World Cup qualifying... If they can pull out another draw or if they pull out a surprise win during qualifying, it's going to, you know, expect Mexico City, expect the uh, the uh, the mountains where the stadium is, it's going to start it's t- melting. <laughs> and everyone in Mexico is going to be like, "We're it's over. It's all over. <laughs> oh, so my God. We got to see what's going to happen. Believe me. If Listen, listen. If if you have not talked to people who know the Mexican sports media or even mm-hmm. the Mexican media period on how you know the sky is falling, chicken little mentality is down there, Tata Martino will not survive the trip back to the ho- the trip back to the hotel. Oh man, he I'm, won't. I'm, really, they really, you know. Uh, they care everywhere, but it's, uh, it's very intense, uh, yep. perhaps, for the Mexican national team as a source of national pride, and especially when they're playing uh, the U.S. I remember 
watching a documentary a long time ago. Um, I guess it was, you know, just it was Landon Donovan talking about playing for the national team and oh, yeah. getting. Yeah, I think they had one big win, like maybe it was like the first time, like in a long time that the U.S. beat Mexico in Mexico, and just like, you know, having stuff thrown yep. at you on the field and yeah. He said it was like a, a, a hostile environment. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it it's really just. Is. They have those laser pointers also out there, too, so. <laughs> that's that's not fair. I, I guess it would be what are you gonna do? kind of hard. Yeah, you can't. You know, it's, I mean, it would be hard for somebody in do? the crowd to point it right in the, in the goalkeeper's face, but I guess it could happen. I don't know. You know, like one little dot. It's, it's, coming it, out. it happens. Believe me, there's only so a referee can do. I know mm-hmm. exactly. There's only so much a referee can do. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do? No. You can track the guy down. You know. Yeah. Um, again, um, another it's big story. Yeah. You know, another thing I'm looking at here. It looks like there's only uh, three games left in uh, World Cup qualifying. Is that right? There is. Yep. yep. Mexico, Panama, and Costa Rica. Into Panama and then at Costa Rica. And the hope is is that they'll qualify with the home game in Orlando against Panama so they don't have to worry mm-hmm. about the road game in Costa Rica. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. That should be uh, very interesting. All right. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, uh, Dan. This was great. Well, thanks for... Thanks, man. Thanks All right. I'll, yeah. Yeah. Look forward to listening to the rest of the show. Take care. All right. Thank you very much. I'll All talk right. to you soon, Anthony. All right. Bye, Dan. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Anthony Paradiso, very good kid. Follow him on uh, his writings on soccer as well, jerseysportingnews.com, which I'm no longer with, but he's running the whole department. So good kid, good guy. And follow him as well on Twitter. Uh, finally, we all know Seattle, Multagua of Honduras was a scoreless draw. Um, but New York City FC was a 2-0 victory over Santos de, if I can pronounce it correctly, Guaguilas, Tati Castellanos scored both goals, first goal penalty, second goal in the run of play. And everything looked ship-shape and everything. And then a red card. A red card, <coughs> excuse me, came towards New York City FC. And it removed one of their players. And NYCFC went down to nine, excuse me, went down to 10 men. Now, for those of you that watched the game who said, that's the softest red card I've ever seen in my life. How can you give a red card like that against New York City FC? 
How is that possible? Well, let me say this, because I want to be fair. Yes, it was a soft red card. Yes, it was not a good card to be uh, dealt. But Santiago Rodriguez put himself in a position where the referee was allowed to issue the card. And in my opinion, Santiago Rodriguez got what he deserved. Soft it may have been, you're the superior team over Santos de Guialas. You should not have a single player on your squad being sent off for anything and everything. That was a mistake. That was a huge mistake. You are the better player. You are the better team. Why are you putting yourself in a position to be sent off? Just like back in the day, Michael Murillo against a Dominican Republic club, he got himself a yellow card in the round of 16 first leg because he was upset of the way that he was being defended. That's a, And then you're back home at Red Bull Arena and you pull off the same thing against the same team in the home leg, you get a yellow card. Two yellows make, make a red, which meant he had to serve a one-match suspension on yellow card accumulation and could not play in the opening leg at home against Santos Laguna. Michael Murillo did something stupid. You do not get sent off or you do not serve a one-match suspension against the next opponent, which is a Liga MX side. Once again, it was a dumb thing to do. He shouldn't have done it. Just like Rodriguez. Just like Santiago Rodriguez. He put himself in a position where he shouldn't have been in in the first place. And then he gets sent off. And now he won't be playing in the second leg, which will be in Los Angeles and not in the New York City tri-state area. No, I have no sympathy over NYCFC about that. You should have played your home game at MetLife. Rent out MetLife. At least your fans would have been there. But whatever. All I'm saying is, until you get your stadium, you're still a joke. That's as far as it goes. Once again, New York City FC with the victory. Well, I want to thank my guest tonight, Patrick Quinn. Hopefully we'll get some more guests next week. This is Daniel Forrestine. This has been the CONCACAF Champions League Round of 16 First Leg Review Show. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Have a good night. Take care so long. And bye-bye for now.